1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Hello, this is Seth Payne. This is the Deceptively Fast Podcast. If you are new to it, I played in the NFL for 10 years. I currently host a sports radio program in Houston. And on the Deceptively Fast Podcast, we talk about a bunch of stuff, maybe half football, half other stuff. I have Drew Hodgton, my old teammate and friend, on with me a lot I I hesitate to call him my official co-host because we might end up branching off and doing a separate Seth and Drew podcast at some point, but he's here a lot. So he, he played in the NFL for the Texans and for the Ravens. I was an older player when he was a rookie, and I really liked him as a player because he was awesome to practice against. He worked his butt off. He was very bright. He didn't mind taking extra reps during off periods or after practice with me. So uh, yeah, I I had a lot of respect for him early on. If you like the podcast, subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter at Seth C. Payne, Instagram at Seth C. Payne, and me and my three TikTok videos at Seth C. Payne. And uh, I think I'm just like Seth Payne 175 or something on Facebook, but I don't go on there. So enjoy today's deceptively fast podcast. Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast. I'm here with Drew Hodgson once again, and uh, this is my favorite time of the year. One of my favorite times of the year. It's like it's like Christmas in August for people who are searching for content because the Athletic does a survey of NFL agents, and we did this last year, and it was actually the podcast that got the most downloads, uh, or one of the highest downloaded podcasts we did last year. Drew, um, I know we didn't do as many podcasts as is probably.
3: No, no. I mean, right. I, in, yeah. in, in a sea of remarkably popular podcast yes. episodes, yes. Well, it, it stood it, out amongst those.
2: It did. Know. It did almost as well as like a lot of the Deshaun Watson stuff. When all the Deshaun Watson news, when mm-hmm. he first requested a trade and when he first, when he first um, was found to have these allegations against them, the numbers were crazy on those. And this is, is likewise, uh, people love anonymous tips uh, or anonymous quotes from agents and this was from a few dozen agents and uh, we'll start off with the Deshaun Watson stuff because they asked about uh, they asked the agents about Deshaun and that entire scenario and you pointed this out that most of them were pretty negative towards the Browns pretty much painting the Browns as a cesspool of the NFL but there were two that were remarkably opposite from each other the first (laughs) one was in the vein of what I just referenced the negative ones saying that it was disgusting, complete 100% franchise malpractice sends the wrong message for the Houston Texans to dump him as quickly as they did and to settle the lawsuits as quickly as they did says a lot about him um, and then they go on and on. It is it, there's several quotes there pretty much just slamming the browns. And then there was one. Whether you think this was a uh, whether you think this was a diamond in the rough, or if you think this was the biggest piece of poop in a cesspool of poop, this is the quote. I thought it was a fantastic development for players and negotiations around the league. <laughs> you had a franchise quarterback who was essentially a free agent. It was the ultimate leverage, and they took advantage of it. I'd like to think there'll be more of that moving forward. Like, oh.
3: <laughs> Damn, <laughs> it was incredible. I mean, it was literally—it it was the only one that gushing. stood out like that. Absolutely it was gushing. gushing. It was—it's amazing
2: Just, that David Mulligetta was uh, able to not even say his actual name when he gave that anonymous <laughs> yeah, quote. Exactly. David Mulligetta is Deshaun yeah. Watson's agent. I feel like—I feel like that might have been Mulligetta. Yeah, uh, like you could
3: actually read the percentage that he got under that quote. It yeah. was like unbelievable. Like I feel uh, like it had to be him. I mean, it was. It was basically like a White House press secretary trying to spin a horrible disaster, natural disaster that took out something. You're like, no, oh,
2: okay. That is the part, though, that it is really amazing when you think about Deshaun Watson in the scenario he was where basically he used his own misconduct for leverage. I don't think that's how he right. planned it, but that's ultimately how it worked out. He was a very, very viable very competitive you, you know you could argue about just how elite he is but I would say elite NFL quarterback um, whose team didn't want him and that hardly ever happens unless yeah. there's been a neck fusion surgery or something so mm-hmm. so Deshaun was not not a true unrestricted free agent this was a, it's kind of a muted free agent he got 230 million dollars guaranteed which goes to show you okay what if like, let's say Lamar Jackson played this thing out to the very end and was an unrestricted re- free agent. And he, you know, after two years of being franchised by the Ravens, he was out there on the market and let's say he, you know, continued his development. So he was a really, really good player. It, it's kind of mind boggling how much money he might command on the open market.
3: But, but do you feel, you know, in your gut that he will actually come anywhere close to demanding that amount? Because I, I, I don't really. And I mean, I don't well, want I don't, to get too far into the conjecture of it, but it just does
2: You're talking about Kyler like Murray. This, I, mean, uh, Lamar Jackson, I mean, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. I yeah. feel like
3: this was just such a uniquely strange series of events that came together to drive what probably was an outrageous sum of money that may not be matched by someone else.
2: Well, okay. So Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson was in this article as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's funny because uh, the, <laughs> the basic vein of all these various agents that were surveyed uh, about the fact that Lamar Jackson is representing himself without an agent, uh, the, pretty much the consensus was, hey, he should really have an agent. That's uh, all I can guys. tell you is he really, really <laughs> yeah. has to have an agent. Yeah. Except for one guy, one schmuck, and I don't know whether I respect this guy or maybe he's the biggest idiot of the bunch, said that uh, he respected his unorthodox uh, approach to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the one, yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. To, <laughs> to which he immediately sent his own quote out to Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, that he supported I, him I, and all his
2: genius. I support you, but yeah. if at any point, you do want to give 3% of that eventual $200 million right. to me, yeah, by yeah. all means. Um, okay, so yeah, there's two obviously two separate situations. The one with Deshaun, where I I think you might be onto something there, is that it was even more intense than a normal free agency because oh, yeah. because there was an auction like effect. You know that exactly. was. Um, and I think free agency has kind of become that because they have that tampering period, that legal tampering period, where it does become a little bit like an auction. Guys don't even visit the teams that they're going to play for anymore. Mm-hmm. But there was something about, it was before the draft, before, you know, uh, it was when at a particular time of year, there were no other players out there and available. It was uh, it was something that you were going to only have a limited shot at um so i did i think it maybe made it more intense even though well and that all those
3: that clause in his contract gave him this additional layer of he was able to really exercise his choice over Uh it on top of the team that still really needed him but weren't fully out the door on saying they weren't with him even though they kind of were so it just it kind of gave him this weird ability to be to play both sides it seemed like at the time.
2: The um the for the Browns to play both sides? No, for Deshaun. Oh for De- okay, yeah. Oh, oh to say to,
3: to to basically to say that look, I mean, yeah, I'm technically still with the Texans and maybe they aren't fully out the door on me just yet. Yeah. Um but he had that clause, right? He had the ability in his contract to decide who it was that he wanted to go yeah, to. Yeah,
2: I I wonder with the no trade clause um I think more and more my thinking evolved during that because at first I was furious that the Texans were one of the teams that had given a no trade clause. (laughs) Right. It seemed idiotic. There there are very few in the NFL, or at least there were very few. I think there are going to be more and more now. Um, There were very few in the NFL at the time, and most of them went to either guys who were extreme veterans quarterbacks who had won a Super Bowl and Jimmy Garoppolo in the last year of his contract. So Deshaun Mm -hmm. stood alone as a guy that hadn't won a Super Bowl or done anything great as a team yet and had that no trade clause. I do think that moving forward guys kind of have a de facto no trade clause if you're a quarterback because what team is going to want to trade three first round picks for a guy that doesn't want to be Right. at your team. So I'm going to trade. He's disgruntled with the Texans, but yeah, we'll take him in and he won't be disgruntled anymore. I think that's where it, it probably, it kind of evens out somewhere. way. Well, but
3: it was weird because of what was obviously going on with the suits against him because that created this bizarre dynamic where it wasn't a knock against his ability per se. It was something else that you didn't know right. what the outcome was going to be. So that kind of... I think it just it worked out bizarrely that it kind of gave him more leverage than you think it should. Have. It,
2: it, right. Exactly. The whole the the fact that if he had never had those sexual assault allegations against him, I think the Texans, it, the way I understand it from the way it's been described to me by various people, was that at the very least at the beginning, the Texans were committed to bringing Deshaun Watson back into the fold. They figured that this was a transient, you know, this is before there were any allegations. He had uh, early January, he had asked for a trade. Um, and it would be another couple months before there were any allegations publicly known that the Texans thought, well, this is what happens. Players complain yeah. and then we'll get him back into the fold. We'll figure this out. And then obviously once everything happened, it, it made it pretty easy for them. Even though I think the resolve might've been softening a little bit already by the time the results came out, I think that, I think the, that just kind of sealed the deal. So, uh, one of the other things in here that I was curious about with you was the Brian Flores discrimination suit, uh, yeah. which Brian Flores is suing multiple teams in the NFL for discrimination in their hiring practices. Uh, a few other people have come into it, and then there's also this whole scenario with Dan Snyder, the owner of the Viking, or excuse me, the owner of the Washington commandos man commanders I've been calling them yeah yeah sorry thank you we've been calling them the (laughs) Washington football commandos as a joke and now I can't stop saying Washington football commandos yeah and every time I say it every time I say it intentionally I get a bunch of correct you know people calling to correct me yeah I know it's a joke but now now when I try to earnestly say commanders I can't get it so so Daniel Snyder the owner uh, supposedly not actively in charge of the commanders drew because it's his wife is his non-estranged wife mm, is in mm-hmm. charge of the commanders yeah uh, but daniel snyder uh, he's totally not
3: involved completely has, not has involved. nothing to yeah. do with it right
2: so i think the the question is as the dolphins had shown to have tampered with tom brady and sean payton and head of all this other stuff going on um Stephen ross the owner of the dolphins did i say panthers it's getting to be a rough day already. I think you uh, said Dolphins. I yeah. said Dolphins. Okay, so the Dolphins, uh, he was got basically a slap on the wrist for that. He's mm-hmm. currently being sued. There's this Daniel Snyder stuff. There's this cheerleader scandal in Dallas where one of the big executives was alleged to have been filming cheerleaders without their knowledge. Yeah. Super, super creepy stuff. Uh, and for the most part, seems like, Nobody, it seems like all the owners have Teflon suits on at this point. Yeah, yeah, it does.
3: It, and and it's, it's always kind of been that way, right? It just well, feels like more broadly, the NFL just has this... Um, there's just an aura, around, a bubble around ownership, around the GMs, around management, front office. And it never really fully sticks to them. But, but the you know players what? just tend to get flamed routinely. But the, the
2: weird thing is, though, that Jerry Richardson... Was pretty much forced to sell the Panthers when, right. so that's I guess he never had an official punishment per se. But I, without going back and looking at the details, he was forced or you know kind of coerced into selling the Panthers. And I, I wonder if with Daniel yeah. Snyder, the owners worry about setting too much of a precedent that you know if we if we do it for this, okay, sure, but. Uh, You know, does that does that lower the bar a little bit for this to happen to me when it turns out that God knows not me. I didn't do it. But what if somebody in my organization sexually harassed somebody? Yeah. I mean, that's that's like what that's why I thought that
3: quote, you know, from one of those guys basically saying, you know, the owners do not want to create the roadmap for their own self-destruction. Yeah. Was just spot on. I mean, that was that was exactly, you know, how it read to me. You're making a face right now
2: uh no 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 it was a good face it was a good face it was uh, it was uh, I, I, I agreed with yeah. you completely no yeah i, no, I mean that's no,
3: that, I, that, that that's that r- that spoke volumes to me basically no. is that is that at the end of the day no matter how bad something is those guys are not wanting to give anyone the blueprint to try to figure out how to destroy them at a later date when they inevitably are revealed to have uh, been a nazi
2: i was i was making the face because you had put in here uh, a response to one of the questions about who is the most powerful person in and around the league. And I, there there was another part of uh, who is the most powerful person behind the scenes. I thought that one of the answers for most per- powerful person behind the scenes was actually one of the answers for one of the most powerful in the NFL. Cause uh, one of the answers for most powerful behind the scenes was Mike Florio. Oh with yeah. Two votes, which yeah. I would say, yeah, I think so. I think he wields a lot of, kind of behind the scenes power in terms of being an information broker i would i would put florio on the same level as a shefter and Rappaport, except that those two guys are employees whereas florio is a lone shark and can I kind put of on there
3: because i i feel like i uh you know like I'll, I'll see occasionally you know you'll make comments about it on twitter you're like repost stuff about florio and stuff like that and it's like yeah. I I don't have, this is, I'm completely outing myself, that I don't have a completely valid reason for why I don't like him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know why I don't like him. Oh, okay. But I don't, I don't, he, something about it just rings gross. There's a, okay,
2: this is what I'm going to tell you it is. And this is, this is really interesting with Florio because I discovered this early on because he used to come on and do regular shows on our station. And he used to do show, a regular appearance on my show. Right. Florio's tone his voice as a writer is different than his voice as a human being. Like his writer's voice is much yeah. different than how he is in person, and his writer's voice has a tendency to sound kind of smug, kind of yeah. know it ish and at times, uh, at times, and I think he would openly admit to this. He's a bit of a a, a, a clickbaiter um, mm-hmm. at times. Not not as irresponsible as some websites, but I think there's times where he. He clouds the he clouds his roles, the distinction between his roles, because he used to be just the kind of guy who gave his opinions and he aggregated other news items and put it out there and then gave his opinion on it, where now he's become kind of a news source. So there's times when right. there's times where he's saying something hypothetical or he's throwing something out there as a theory. That's but I think is. he's respected yeah. enough as a source now and as a reporter that I think it blurs the lines too much, so it gets annoying. Because there's times where he'll throw a hypothetical out there, and you're like, "Well, wait a second, dude. Like, did this guy actually do this, or are you just yes. randomly?" Spectra- that's what it is. It's yeah. it's it's
3: positioning conjecture. Conjecture is fact.
2: Yeah, you know,
3: like it's it has it reeks of like a hypothetical, but he makes the statement as though he heard it happen, and that's yeah. a thing. And I'm kind of like, I don't know if that rings true or not. He's little- he's.
2: He does the same thing Windhorst was doing when he was trying to hint at whatever that development was in the NBA. Yeah. And Brian Windhorst was giving a whole bunch of like curious questions and <laughs> positions and everything. <laughs> Poyo does that just much more eloquently in his right. writing. I think in person, when I've heard him talk and when I've talked to him, like himself, I'm actually like, well, this this fellow is quite charming. <laughs> like, right. yeah, and I yeah. don't mind this guy at all. So I think that's what it is. You have to yeah. try to, have you ever watched his show at all? I haven't. Yeah. Watch well, his show know. a little bit. That's just,
3: what I mean when I say that uh, I've gone ahead and just decided I hate him even though I know nothing about him, I him and that it's did. completely unfair. So that, that was the that was the caveat. It's
2: we we've called it before every July when it's a notoriously dead time in the NFL media sphere. He like he'll he'll start picking fights with NFL players on social media. He did it with JJ Watt one year, where he's just He's just looking to get some kind of traction, you know. He's like totally, a, yeah, yeah. He's trying like, to get on the radar. It's all tactical, pacing, right? the page. It's, it's yeah. all
3: completely strategic. He knows exactly what he's doing, and that's, I guess, where I'm like, ah, oh, come on, man. There, there was like, a time is-
2: every year too when it was the, it was time for the Sean Payton traded to the Cowboys rumors, like every single year, and so that's why. But it was a little boy who cried wolf. So this year, when he started in with his whole, oh yeah, Payton was almost uh, traded to the Dolphins. People are like, yeah, whatever. All right, man, cool. You've been talking about Peyton nonstop for a decade, and then lo and behold, it ended up being true.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper, the better in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Um, other people, okay, so most powerful people in front of the scenes, like up front, uh, far and away the biggest vote-getter, and this makes sense, was Roger Goodell with 16 right. votes. The And, and people will always make the point that, okay, Roger Goodell is an employee of the owners. And yes, that's true, but he is the employee of all 32 owners, not one single owner. So until those guys, when they do band together, it's like some of the big, big hitters can band together and have a little bit of a quorum on the side. Then they can exert some pressure on, on Goodell, I think. Um, but there's times where like they've shown, okay, Jerry Jones, who's voted as the second most powerful or well had the second most votes with six votes i mean there have been times where jerry jones has very much been alone against roger goodell and Mm -hmm. largely roger goodell wins out so i think that um i think it's goodell he makes 40 million dollars a year uh, for a job that hey drew do you know the story behind goodell like his life story his um, <laughs> not his entire life story. He just uh, I was like, is, is there going to be a quiz after yeah, this? Because I uh, don't
3: know a lot of parts yeah. of
2: his his life. He doesn't have a biography out or anything, but okay. uh, his father was influential in politics in some way, right. shape, or form. I can't remember either politics or uh, is a in the law, whatever it was. Yeah, I, th- he th- thought, yeah, I thought he actually was. like
3: held office or yeah, something like yeah, that,
2: and then it, yeah. So at a young age, Roger Goodell, who might have been the only person in America with this goal as a teenager at the same time, his goal is to become commissioner of the NFL. So he trained his sights on that. So you take this young, really intelligent dude, uh, with a lot of ambition and his Mm -hmm. goal is to become the commissioner of the NFL, which is a weird goal to have when you're a teenager. And yet, because he's the only guy out there focused on it, he became just a master at which angles to work, how to, how to get himself into the right position. And by the time, you know, his, his number came up. It was a it was a runaway vote for him. So, like, yeah, I think he wields a lot of power, and he's been studying his entire life, like just exactly how to do it. the The one vote that annoyed me, the two votes that really pissed me off in this one. Oh, same. With two people that said that somehow. The most powerful person in the NFL is uh, Tom Brady. Which, I, yeah,
3: I know. I, I want to like key those guys' cars. That yeah, was just like, what are you talking <laughs> about, man? Come on, like get it, get just get. A, he's not going to sign with you. Go away.
2: No, and it also it, like it goes to show you. I feel. I feel like those two agents have their own definition of powerful. And Correct. they're just wielding it like in their mind, power and fame and money are synonymous or something. Somehow. Yeah. What, what, yeah. Is,
3: what is power? Like this became this weird metaphysical conversation around the nature of power. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Tom Brady true. cannot set any rules or expectations for what the other players are. He could like, there's, he doesn't wield actual power. That's not a, that's, that's not how that works. The
2: one, uh, one thing that I found interesting too was, among GMs and front office leaders, who is the best talent evaluator? Yeah, this is a hard one because, you know, I, I always think of notoriously the the general manager of the year for like five years straight was fired within two years. So it right. was a really bad stretch there yeah. where guys just, Hey, I'm the best. Right. Cause, cause he inherited some team where he had a few number one overall picks and, uh, you know, Ryan yeah. Grigson was smart enough to draft Andrew luck. So all of a sudden he's GM of the year and then they're out on their ass. It's the ship has been righted a little bit in the last few guys have stayed in, but I, I would have voted for this Chris Ballard from the Colts. Um, mm-hmm. just because they've stayed, competitive and I think he's put together a pretty good roster without two things. One, a franchise quarterback and two without um without Over spending. Yeah, without really a lot of spending support from from his owner. Yeah, so it
3: does it does seem like that. Yeah, yeah, it's success breeds a thousand fathers and that's like every time there's a GM every year where it's, you know, that have guy's you, the best one in the NFL.
2: Have you let me ask you before my my computer, which only has one USB port that works anymore, apparently. Um, so that before the power runs out, have you ever considered becoming an NFL agent? I think that I, I feel
3: like our answers maybe are the same where there was like a, I'm going to say a five hour window Yeah. after I got out of football where I was like, hey, maybe I could do this. But the, it's the, the problem you run into is the same when people ask you if you ever wanted to be an NFL coach. Yeah. And you qu- you quickly run through all the coaches you've ever known. Uh-huh. And then you think, do I want to be any of those guys? <laughs> and the answer is immediately no. And so I did the same thing
2: when it came to the agent thing and was like, I'm all set. You didn't want to ever be any of those guys, like not one of the Shanahan or not one of the well, let's say one of the Shanahans or one of the Kubiaks or somebody. Well, like
3: this that. is what I'll say is that when when I say that, meaning like you know, are there some that I like genuinely liked and respected? I mean, you know, Kubiak ultimately. I mean, we parted ways, and I still really liked him a lot. Same yeah. with you know Kyle Shanahan and those guys. I liked them a lot, you know, and I could see like yeah, I could be that kind of guy. But then you just look at the lifestyle, yeah, and the bottleneck at the top and everything that goes along with that, and that's a I don't know, man. I mean, just yeah. the, the overworking for no reason in my view where they have like beds in their offices and shit. Um,
2: it's just A lot not. of stuff done for show that's... Uh, 100%. A, yeah. in a lot of them, like I don't mean to diminish, like it's not all for show or anything by any means, but there's a certain part of that culture where yes. it's just going to demand yes. a certain... If you're not working 96 hours a week, you're a bum. You don't want to win, and, obviously. Uh, yeah. Right, and I, I do think you're like finding that balance between... Like finding something you really care about and you're juiced up about versus something that you're just kind of at first maniacally obsessed with, but then it becomes like some kind of obligation that, like, mm. so many of those guys drag themselves around like they were born into a cast or something. And, like, that's their, yes. like, like that was their, their lot in life was to be an NFL coach. And <laughs> yes. I'm like, I mean, yeah. like what are going to do? Turn down that money, you know, like, where, a lot of those guys, like, where the hell are you going to... Where's anybody? But especially, like, some of those guys. Like, where the hell are you going to make $500,000 a year, you know, to coach a position? Uh, oh, it's, completely. So and if you get fired,
3: you still get paid. Yeah, and they know? can't
2: turn that down, and yet they're miserable. It's Miserable. Uh, they are gotta, a, mi- a lot of them are a miserable group of people. And that's the part where you said where some of the things that are out of your control, it's... If you find the right situation, it can be awesome. Mm-hmm. But it to me, it always felt like farming, where the thing that... That I, when I was a kid growing up in a farming family, the thing that I would look at about farming that was so awful was that you could do everything right, and but you have no control over the weather. Mm-hmm. And if you could do everything right in a certain year, but still have a crappy crop or still have disease with your cows or something, yeah, there, you lose that at least a at least give me an illusion of control. I know none of us right. have total control or anything, um, but there's just so much. In football, it's similar where you can do everything right, but be- because of circumstances or because of things beyond your control, you just uh, – it's its very, very friggin'. It can happen in any walk of life but you can do everything the right way and still fail overall. But in football, it happens every single year to a well, lot and, of really smart people.
3: And that was the biggest thing. Maybe you were the same way where when I got out of football – I was so thirsty for that kind of control because you yeah. don't have it as a player for the most part. I mean, of course you can control, you know, your performance to some extent, you can't control injuries. You can't control, you know, what coaches perceive of, you, you know, all those things. And so coming out of it, I mean, I think the last thing I wanted to do was put myself in another spot where I was giving up so much agency around my own ability. And, you yeah. know, as an agent goes, it just felt like maybe you have a little more control, but you're also, uh, there are, don't get me wrong, plenty of agents that are exceptions to the rule, but there is like, they are dealing in sleaze to some well, extent. There's
2: a, yeah, and there, there's, it, yeah, you, it's like
3: you, you that's the currency of the realm.
2: You can't afford to be too picky with your clients. And then hey. your job, as you're less picky with your clients, your job becomes babysitter at times. And not, it's one thing to be a mentor or to mm-hmm. help guys out, but then it's others to be not even a babysitter, but like the guy that's cleaning up messes. Yeah, that's hard to yeah. do. I, I just knew also that I wouldn't be—I knew I wouldn't be a good agent because uh, <laughs> what's what's one of the biggest things about being an agent? True, uh,
3: probably I guess being hot, strong, <laughs>
2: making uh, phone calls,
3: but phone yeah, calls, yeah, consistently yeah. calling up.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, are you referring, referring to calls. how yeah.
3: how, uh, how I'll call you and or text you yeah. uh, for forty five days in
2: a row with no yeah. response? Is that yeah. kind of where you're going with that? Yeah. I, and I think with the with coaching. The I think the thing that coaches in the NFL, the ones that are really good at it, they are they have an ability to just keep forging ahead like through really a lot of monotony. Um, And it's kind of like a steadfastness that I know I don't have. I'm too freaking loopy. Um, It's not like. It's not like me. This is not like some false modesty where I'm saying like, "Well, I'm too creative of mine I'm too eccentric to be, eccentric able, to for yeah. to be and, able to
3: confine myself yeah. to that sort of rigid it's, structure."
2: No, it's not that yeah. at all. Like, I don't have the attention span. I don't think, and the yeah. patience required to like be. So, I think I could coach, and I'd be all right at it. But I don't think I would be as good at it as a lot of other things. So, I uh, yeah, I said no as well. We better we better call it a day because my, my my okay. All right, I'm going to go off on uh, on the Apple Computer Company in our next podcast. There's, uh, th- I, I, they've got me, they've got their hooks in me, and yet I feel like within each ensuing generation of products <laughs> I buy, the battery life is less it's, it's lower. Uh, yeah. the dependability is worse yeah. i'm actually having to worry about viruses now and everything so yeah coming up next and at random points in the podcast in the future we'll discuss that so yeah, thank you thank good. you drew I, uh, we, we, we can we can uh tie up a few more of these loose ends from this agent survey but if anybody wants to subscribe to the athletic um feel free they don't cover houston with a beat reporter anymore so i'm considering getting rid of it but otherwise they have very very good writing